Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you so much for joining us and letting us be part of your day. We hope it'll be a good one for you. Planting is starting to roll in uh, several parts of the country, but some rain, some much-needed rain in many places, also expected this week, so we'll keep a close watch on that. Meanwhile, farmers' attitudes about uh, the ag economy and uh, prospects for moving forward seem to be much higher this month or I should say as of last month in March, we just now have the latest numbers from the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer, kind of an indication of what farmers are thinking, how they feel about things. We'll get those numbers from Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer on today's show. We're also going to talk some biofuels issues, a lot going on with biofuels right now. Emily Score, CEO of Growth Energy, will join us in today's program. And we're going to take a look at what are the priorities for state departments of agriculture. There's so many things being proposed, new programs and policies, spending, uh, you know, for different things like infrastructure being proposed. How do the state departments of agriculture feel about this? And what do they view as their priority issues for 2021? We'll talk with R.J. Carney, Senior Director a public policy for the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture on today's program. So lots going on, but let's start it off with Todd Neely, reporter for DTN. Todd, how are you? Uh, any planting going on around you in Nebraska yet? Well, I think we have a little bit here and there, but it's really not full force. Uh, today we're actually getting a little bit of rain. It's kind of a nice day. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, you need some rain, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, we... A couple weeks ago, we had a we had a couple inches over a few days, and then we're just having the dry and wet cycle. So yeah, it's kind of nice. It's just the soft rain here today. All right, that's good news. So let's take a look at some of the items in the news. Uh, one of the things you're watching an interesting court case in in the state of Washington. Yeah, Mike. You know we had a we had a, a rancher. His name is Cody Easterday. Um, He's been uh, in the news off and on over the past couple of years. Um, it's really kind of a sad story. Uh, he's pled guilty to wire fraud, and uh, he could face up to 20 years in prison, uh, essentially for uh, defrauding uh, Tyson Foods and another company that's not been named um, when it comes to cattle purchases. He, uh, he's one of the ranchers who supplies meat to, to Tyson Foods. Um, and so he'd been uh, turning in invoices to Tyson and others, uh, claiming that he had bought cattle, fed cattle, and that sort of thing. And we're we're talking about cattle that that were never actually bought or fed. Um, it's really kind of an interesting situation. It kind of makes you wonder how it um, how he was able to do this for for several years and not uh, not get called out on it until now. Uh, but he definitely faces some some tough times here. He. He pled guilty uh, last week or earlier this week, and uh, see where it goes. Yep, we'll keep an eye on that. Meanwhile, uh, the Supreme Court has said the Biden administration can present arguments in a legal battle over the renewable fuel standard. So uh, that back and forth yeah. and the legal maneuverings continue. Yeah, Mike, we've got oral arguments in that case before the high court um, 27th, so three weeks from today. Uh, in fact, the court issued a ruling, I believe it was yesterday, they're going to allow all the parties in the case to 
to uh, stand up and make their own oral arguments. And so rather than it being one side and then the next side, they're going to allow uh, a number of biofuels groups, EPA and others, to, uh, to, to make their oral arguments. And so it'll be interesting because we've seen EPA basically uh, turn a different direction on this on this uh, small refinery exemption issue, and uh, we'll see how far they go with it. You know, they, uh, they've already indicated that they're, they're uh, in support of the 10th Circuit ruling that was uh, January 2020, um, and so it'll be interesting to see what the, where the justices come down on this case. Yeah, we'll talk more about that with Emily Score from Growth Energy a little bit later. Uh, meanwhile, another round of CFAP, uh, they're rolling that out now. Yeah, uh, you know, we had some, some funding that was made available yesterday, I believe, uh, to help uh, you know, challenge farmers that really need extra help, producers that, you know, are socially disadvantaged or, or the like. And uh, basically, uh, we're, they're launching the $6 billion uh, funding program. And as we talked a lot about on here, uh, you know, biofuels producers are one of those who have not received any help. And they're actually supposed to be included on this latest round and so i think the beginning of the sign up was monday uh and it's going to be interesting to see how many people they get signed up you know we're seeing some signs in the ag economy that things are going better and uh it'll be interesting i i know there are a lot of producers out there yet who've been hit hard and still trying to bounce back so i'm sure we'll see quite a quite a bit of interest and there's also um <laughs> Some mixed reaction to some of these spending proposals out there uh, and ways to pay for them. Uh, some concerns about proposed tax changes. Yeah, Mike, you know, it's, uh, it seems like every time we have an administration change or changes in Congress, we see, uh, for instance, the death tax issue come back up. Um, you know, there's a lot of these fights that agriculture has been waging for quite some time. And I guess this is just, in, you know, the latest round, another another turn in a different direction, you know, and I think it's something that probably I think ag's gotten used to. I think, you know, over the years they've, they've grown accustomed to, uh, you know, getting those, their positions out there and defending those positions. And here we are again. And I think, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens, especially on the infrastructure front, whether uh, the Biden administration is able to get through some of its plans. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in that as well for rural America. But I do think that you know, it's really kind of, I think, in some sense, disheartening to see some of these old uh, these old issues coming back up again. Yeah, the infrastructure plan has been tied to a rise in the uh, an increase in the corporate tax rate, and that would would certainly right. affect some some farmers. So uh, that's one we'll be watching. Going to get more information on that coming up on tomorrow's program. So there's a lot going on. Meanwhile, we're still kind of waiting for, to see what EPA is going to do on some of these biofuels issues. Michael Regan has spoken positively right. about biofuels, but we're still waiting to see, and we're kind of waiting to see from this administration making all these climate uh, policy proposals. Right. Where does biofuels fit into all that? We're still waiting to see. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you know, speaking of infrastructure, you know, uh, the biofuels industry was left out of the Biden proposal, mm -hmm. uh, you know, at a time when you're right, we're kind of waiting to see where EPA is going to go. We still don't know. Uh, you know, there's a number of small refinery exemptions that are still uh, pending, and we've not heard on that either, and we're expecting an RFS reset, uh, probably a rule sometime yet this year. And so, yeah, there's uh, the Biden administration has, you know, talked a really good game, but we're, we really need to see the rubber meet the road and see what it's going to uh, mean. 
Yeah, the infrastructure package has a lot in it for electric vehicles, but uh, really didn't do anything for right. biofuels. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Todd, always good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you very much, Mike. All right, take care. That's DTN reporter Todd Neely. Well, we have the newest numbers, the latest numbers from the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. These would be from the month of March. And we can tell you that the barometer rose in March to 177. That's the highest reading for the barometer since the record high of 184 back in October. We'll go over the latest numbers with Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. I've been farming my whole life. I don't need somebody to come out here and state the obvious. I don't need anybody to explain my farm to me. My local co-op works with CHS, and they know what I need when I need it. A global network of support. Local expertise. And valuable market options. We need a co-op that's here for us. So we can own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. DTN and Progressive Farmer bring producers the best content in agriculture. Each day our editors post unique content to our website, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. DTN and Progressive Farmer provide insights throughout the year to questions like, what is the outlook for corn yields in 2021? Will feed prices surge? What about land prices? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? For more intelligence like this, visit DTNPF.com. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor. Restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. 
It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, as we've been mentioning that uh, some farmers in some parts of the Midwest are finally uh, able to get out to the fields and uh, getting going out there. So others are, are waiting. And I've talked to several farmers who say they're close, but they're still few days away from getting started and some are getting some rain right now as we heard earlier and uh, that's much needed in places too so but we're getting into that busy time so please let's all be careful let's make sure we have a safe planting season everyone be careful be mindful of each other we know there's gonna be a lot of uh, extra activity out there so for everyone out on the those rural roads be careful be observant and and for all of our farmers uh, Please be careful, take all your precautions, and make sure we have a good, safe planting season. So it's good to have it here, good to get going, and certainly a lot of uh, a lot of excitement with the markets and what they are doing. And obviously, I would say we are seeing a reflection of uh, those uh, higher prices and in farmers' attitudes as we take a look at the latest numbers on the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. We hope to talk with Michael Langmeyer, Purdue Ag Economist, but he's tied up at the moment. So let me kind of go over these numbers with you. Again, these come out each month. So these are the March numbers, and the Ag Economy Barometer rose in March to 177. That is the highest reading for the barometer since the record high reading of 184 was in October. Uh, This month's 12-point rise, it's up 12 points, was uh, mostly attributed to more optimistic view of the future as uh, the index of future expectations climbed to 164. That's 16 points above February's index. So that, as we've talked about with Michael in the past, uh, this barometer kind of gives us a look at two things, how farmers feel kind of right now and then how they feel about long range, things more into the future. So the, uh, the numbers are certainly higher. As you would expect, this rally has been going on now. Well, we think back to last harvest. It kind of came out of nowhere, no one really predicting it. And uh, we got the market rally right around harvest time, and here it is still going now and uh, pushed even further by the, the latest report from USDA. The uh, Farm Capital Investment Index was unchanged from a month earlier at a reading of 88. That remains just five points below its all-time high of 93. And uh, we take a look at some of the other things. Uh, Producers very bullish on farmland values, and that has continued, and that's been going on for a while now. So we can continue to see the the support and, and the continued optimism by farmers moving forward on what they think for their land values so that continues that's been a trend that's been going on for a while now too producers perspective on their farms financial position continues to improve appears to be uh, fueling some of the short-term optimism about farmland values and capital investments so uh, the 
Barometers, we said, rose 12 months, uh, 12 points in March to a reading of 177. And it's uh, mostly the expectations that uh, this is going to continue for a while. Farmers are feeling better about prospects, uh, making decisions such as uh, purchases of farm equipment and things like that. Among producers who reported payment rates available to them, approximately 80% indicated that rates were $20 per acre or less. Uh, so we continue to look at some of these different numbers that uh, are coming up into the in the barometer. So that's good news indeed as we watch this from month to month. I've always felt this was kind of an indication for us uh, how farmers were feeling not only about right now but if they really trusted things uh, moving forward uh, longer term. And we have seen some concerns about when the Biden administration, after the, uh, the election, there were concerns about uh, taxes, and I think those will be uh, part of the picture moving forward. Also, environmental programs and possible regulations. So there's been some concerns, uh, hesitancy, I think, by some in agriculture. But, uh, wow, when the markets are as strong as they have been and prospects seem to be for them to stay strong for some time, you're starting to see this rise in uh, optimism by farmers in the uh, in the barometer so that uh, that's encouraging to see and we know from industries such as farm machinery sales and things like that we watch that each month uh, and that gives us an indication too of how strong that optimism is among farmers about where they think we are going with uh, this ag economy one of the questions they asked this time as of today do you expect your farm's financial performance to be better than worse than or about the same as last year that question was first posed in April of 2018, asked again in the spring of 2019, and since late 2019, the question has been posed often, and the index bottomed out in April of 2020 at a reading of 55, then started to climb during the summer, reaching a December reading of 116, and since December, the index has increased each month, and in March, just a month ago, hit a record high of 125, that is up from 121, a month earlier and 8% higher than in the month of December. And although producers did become more optimistic about the future this past month, as indicated by the rise in the index of future expectations, interestingly, farmers were not more optimistic when it comes to trade with China. The percentage of producers who expect the U.S. trade dispute with China to ultimately be resolved in a way that's beneficial to U.S. agriculture peaked in early 2020 at 81%, but that percentage has been declining since then and fell again this past month, this past month to just 31%, down seven points from February. And that is interesting because so much of uh, our, our markets and the rally is tied around China buying our ag products, of course, and and we're seeing that strength as they've been buying big, but uh, farmers are not optimistic that the, this ongoing trade dispute between the U.S. and China is ultimately going to be to our benefit. Hey, we're joined now by Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer. Michael, thanks for joining us. I, I've kind of been going over the numbers, so I've, I've stolen your thunder a bit here, but bottom line is uh, in March, the uh, barometer took a big jump.
Well, maybe we don't have him. I thought we had him, but uh, evidently we lost him. Wow, we're having trouble making connections with with Michael Langmeyer. So I'll continue to look at some of these numbers and and what they're what they are telling us about what farmers are saying they are feeling about uh, their own personal situations and what they see ahead for agriculture. So just kind of recapping this real quick again. The Ag Economy Barometer rose 12 points in March to a reading of 177, highest reading since October of last year. The improvement in future expectations occurred, even though producers, as I just said, are kind of pessimistic about uh, ongoing trade with China. But producers continue to be optimistic about making capital investments in their farming operations and plans for farm machinery purchases in the coming year rose a bit compared to a month earlier. So um, all in all, things are certainly much brighter when it comes to the ag economy than we have seen for some time as this rally continues that uh, has been going on for several months now. All right, with that, uh, we'll hopefully try to get Michael Langmeyer at another time to give us a little bit more analysis and backstory to uh, these numbers uh, from the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. Um, One other note I might just add, because we're talking so much these days about carbon and carbon markets and carbon banks, carbon sequestration, Uh, So they asked a question this time in the survey. Among the relatively small percentage of respondents who reported carbon sequestration payment rates that were offered, about 80% of those respondents said payment rates were $20 per acre or less, with about half of those indicating a payment rate of $10 per acre or less. This is something we're going to be watching more and more as we move forward because we keep hearing about these potential revenue streams for farmers, Uh, with carbon markets, carbon banks, you know, and the carbon sequestration. Uh, But even Secretary Vilsack has said these markets aren't built out yet and uh, agriculture can't take full advantage of these opportunities the way things are right now. So uh, there's a lot of work yet to do in that. But that's something that we're going to be watching more closely moving forward. Maybe, maybe an opportunity for farmers. All right, so that takes care of those numbers as we've gone over those. Coming up next, we're going to talk with the Senior Director of Public Policy for the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture. With all these proposals out there and supposed opportunities for farmers and for agriculture, how do State Departments of Agriculture feel about moving forward in 2021? What do they see as the opportunities? What are the challenges? What do they hope will get done this year? We'll find out next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. 
Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen with this market update. Well, the soy complex has rallied to early gains here on Tuesday as the process of rationing limited supplies appears to be taking hold. New crop quartered soy futures continue to battle for acres with both contracts close to recent new contract highs. Now, Egypt's wheat tender finds the cheapest uh, offer coming from Russia despite the new export tax with Romania and Ukraine also competing as well. Now, USDA released its first national crop progress report of the growing season Monday afternoon. It showed an average winter wheat crop for early April, although there is considerable variability. Cord planting at 2% is also in line with what we typically see at this time of the year. Now, the grain and oilseed markets again uh, following Wednesday's USDA planting intentions report. Some spillover uh, from that report still with fund money flowing back into the sector, while end users also look for breaks to extend coverage. Here's a look at uh, what we're seeing in the trade right now. Again, uh, looking at corn, May up six at 559 and a quarter. New crop December corn down one and a half at 487. May soybeans up 14 and three quarters, 1427 and a half. November beans eight higher, 1277. May bean meal up $1.60 a ton at 40790. May bean oil up 140 points at 5421. May Chicago wheat eight and a half higher, six twenty six and a half. May Kansas City wheat up three quarters at five sixty three and three quarters. May Minneapolis spring wheat eight and three quarters higher at six sixteen and a quarter. Mixed action in livestock: April live cattle up fifty two and one twenty one ninety. June up fifteen one twenty four fifty seven. April feeder cattle down twenty five one forty six twenty. April hogs seven higher one hundred two forty seven. June hogs down twenty one hundred five forty. The Dow sixteen points lower. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Jesse Allen. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans and if left untreated can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
So we just talked about the growing optimism in farmers' attitudes in the ag economy with the market rally that's been going on. But there are plenty of questions and challenges ahead as well. Certainly some of the uh, proposals out there concerning taxes and things like that have many wondering what's going to happen and how will they be impacted. Um, some of the challenges ahead, we, we talk now with R.J. Carney, who is Senior Director of Public Policy for the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture. R.J., thank you for joining us. What are the priorities of uh, your group, uh, NASDA, the State Departments of Agriculture, as you look at 2021? Sure thing. Thanks, Mike. With the State Departments of Ag, uh, we are focused heavily right now on uh, <laughs> RJ, you're cutting out on us. We're not able to nope. really hear you. You're cutting in and out. Can you can you Is switch that, your headset? Try to get to another location for you. That it's, may uh, be better now. There you go. Go ahead. Coming in better. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, sorry about this, Mike. Well, one big focus for NASA right now is with regards to implementation of the omnibus package back in December, there was an allocation of $28 million for farm, for state departments of agriculture to use for farmers and ranchers and their mental health. And this is one where I've uh, been waiting for the National Institute of Food and Agriculture over at USDA to uh, roll out how state departments of ag will be able to access this $28 million. And especially with the pandemic ongoing, we understand that farmers and ranchers have severely seen their lives impacted. Uh, looking back at a study just done earlier this year by the American Farm Bureau Federation, it showed that 66% of farmers and farm workers say that the pandemic has impacted their mental health. Uh, so this is a, a main focus for NASDA uh, and, and want to make sure that farmers and ranchers, farm workers uh, have the ability to uh, work through uh, mental health issues just as much as they need to work through and and go to the hospital if there's a physical ailment that they're dealing with as well. So that's one of the, the primary focuses in this upcoming few months, uh, ready to roll out that those dollars as soon as uh, USDA NIFA um, releases releases the way the State Department of Ag can access that money. Any idea when that's coming? Well, we're anticipating in the very near future. Uh, we, are there was, I know USDA has been inundated. We're trying to roll out multiple different programs. Uh, so there's been significant progress being made. Uh, we're hopeful that it will happen in the very near future. Um, I know the, the word soon is not specifically defined, uh, so it, it can vary significantly, but the hope is it will be very soon, uh, that this money will roll out and the farmers, ranchers, able to access programs through their state departments of agriculture uh, and we're very thankful that congress allocated this money especially in the midst of a pandemic and it was an area of concern before the pandemic and it was just uh you know brought to the forefront even more uh by the stresses that came along with the pandemic we're talking with rj carney senior director of public policy for the national association of state departments of agriculture rj how have state departments of agriculture handled the pandemic and uh, how uh, how were they impacted? We know that it, it, it was a challenge to continue to uh, perform the 
the different tasks and duties that each State Department of Agriculture has to do under those conditions. Absolutely. State Departments of Ag throughout the course of the last year have, just like many other folks, like many farmers and ranchers, had to get very creative um, in, in working with new partners. Uh, we, we look for the silver linings in, in moments like these as, as best we can. And one area that has significantly uh, grown is the further development of strong relationships between State Departments of Agriculture, uh, food markets, uh, ra- uh, groceries, restaurants, and they be able to access and, and secure the food, uh, the food security system. So this has been a, an opportunity to, to grow a lot of those partnerships and one that State Departments of Ag have taken full advantage of. Um, and we, are, we recognize that Congress has allocated a significant amount of funding throughout the course of this past year that has been dedicated to State Departments of Ag. And that's one area that um, I know there's been a lot of creativity and a lot of, a lot of extra work that had to go in to rolling out that money in those programs uh, through the State Departments themselves. So there has been a lot of a lot of money sent out from Washington. Let's talk about that. How how does a State Department of Agriculture? What do you have uh, in your control as far as it can be used on a state level? Then, sure. So one area, as I already mentioned, with regards to uh, the the mental health uh, programs at twenty eight million dollars, there was also an allocation for the specialty crop block grant program. There was $100 million uh, allocated uh, for a uh, rollout of the Specialty Crop Block Grant Program. And that's another area uh, that, you, that NASDA recently submitted comments to uh, for USDA with regards to providing additional flexibility, uh, especially when we're working through uh, PPE issues still, uh, trying to ensure farmers and farm workers receive vaccinations through potentially rural health clinics. Uh, there's... There's a lot of opportunities and flexibility that's needed in these programs to ensure the safety of farmers and farm workers. So uh, one specific area was that $100 million, but then there's also been a lot of focus and attention on meat processing and ensuring that we can keep meat processing plants open uh, and providing additional funding for small and local meat processors to become part of the solution uh, that is available for uh, throughout the country uh, to ensure that the grocery markets uh, remain stocked uh, and we provide the safety for farmers and meat processing workers as well, especially as we're looking at the vaccination numbers. I recently saw a report that 47 states currently provide or uh, allow farm workers to be eligible uh, for receiving the vaccine, along with 47 states for food processing workers and 47 states in the meat packing uh, workers as well. So State Departments of Ag have been um, fully supportive of advancing the vaccination and making eligible farmers, farm workers, uh, to be part of the early uh, first recipients of the vaccination. So that's one area uh, that's been significant progress. And I was actually very excited to see our Midwestern state ag leaders just last week released a video uh, on a YouTube video, and it, it reached many different social media platforms as well, promoting the need and the safety of the vaccine for rural Americans to, to go and receive the vaccine, but also the farm, farm workers, farmers themselves, that this is safe and that they should be receiving it 
um, going out to uh, reduce and and eliminate hopefully uh, COVID nineteen. RJ, there's a lot of talk about carbon markets, carbon banks, uh, things like that. Will state departments of agriculture be involved in that? Uh, right now, uh, there's a, there's there's a lot of discussion on that. Uh, we do not know whether or not uh, state departments will be directly involved um, with the carbon banks. Uh, what we are hopeful is that state departments of agriculture, as with many instances, are very willing to do demonstrations and pilot projects. So this could be one opportunity where we could look at some local areas, regional areas, uh, to find out the diversity uh, within agriculture itself, that there may be opportunities to utilize uh, the State Department's Ag Network to work with their land grants and, and many other extension services as well um, to do some pilot programs to help further along this discussion as we move forward and, and look at ways that this uh, climate resiliency and, and climate change uh, legislation might move forward. Yeah, Secretary Vilsack has talked about the need to build out these markets for agriculture. I would think uh, working with the uh, State Departments of Agriculture would seemingly be a good way to do that. It, it's one that we are definitely having conversations about um, and absolutely want to ensure that uh, whatever ultimately is going to prevail on the climate solutions, climate, climate change legislation, we'll be able to have State Departments of Ag be part of the solution and be at the table to discuss those solutions. RJ, uh, real quick, there's an issue about uh, Proposition 12 out in California, how it would impact producers in other states. Is that an area of concern for your group when you look at uh, something in one state that could impact uh, producers in other states? Uh, with regards specifically to Proposition 12, uh, NASDA itself uh, has has not engaged directly on that topic, uh, and so that's that's when I I can't get too much further, Mike, on on that specific topic. Yeah, that's uh, just interesting how it, one state's policies can impact those in other states. So I just wondered if you had, had had taken a position on it or not. Okay, RJ, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, a year ahead with plenty of challenges, it sounds like, but maybe some opportunities too. So we'll see how this all plays out. Thank you very much for being with us. All right, Mike. Have a great rest of the day. All right, take care. R.J. Carney, Senior Director of Public Policy for the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture. Yeah, a lot of money is going to be put into programs to help farmers uh, dealing with mental health issues, the stress, uh, concerns, that the pandemic especially has brought on. And that's an area that, you know, there, there, there's concern out there, but a lot of times people are hesitant to seek help. And we encourage uh, anyone that feels like they need help to, to reach out. And all of us need to be aware of those around us and, and aware of and alert to their needs and issues and challenges that perhaps could use some help. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. 
but there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it, but only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids, parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors, waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to separate. First, use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Raw meat should never touch food that won't be cooked. Then, always keep raw meat, poultry, seafood, and their juices away from other foods in the shopping cart. And store raw meat, poultry, and seafood in a container or on a plate in the fridge so juices won't drip on other foods. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership. And today we're talking about safe digging with Tina Beach, public safety expert at CHS. Tina, with springtime here, outdoor projects starting up again, what's the first step people should take before they break ground? Well, the very first thing that they should consider is doing some planning. And that would be when to call 811. If you plan on doing a project on the weekend, over the weekend, make sure that you're calling three to four days to make sure you have enough time, two days minimally, to make sure you get those underground utilities marked for free. And that would be the best thing that they could do to remain safe. What's the risk they're taking if they don't call 811 before digging? Well, in the United States, it's known there's well-collected statistics that show that every nine minutes across the United States, an underground utility is struck. And you might think, oh, that's in big cities. That has nothing to do with us. But the reality is, is that farming and ranching also, on average, nearly three times a day are striking underground utilities. 
And having grown up on a farm and a ranch, um, knowing the risks that we would take, removing old cedar posts, putting in new posts, ditching in water lines, things of that sort, 811 is really that extra insurance policy for our farmers and ranchers. Where can people go to find more information about safe digging? Well, you can always go to chsinc.com slash pipelines. There's a lot of information on that website. But for the main source on 811, you can call 811.com and that will give you information about safe digging, statistics. It also gives you a website to go to your state specific laws and, and rules and regulations. That's Tina Beach, public safety expert at CHS. Thanks for joining us around the table. Learn more about the benefits of co-op ownership from CHS at cooperativeownership.com. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, the Supreme Court is saying that the Biden administration can present arguments in a legal battle over the renewable fuel standard. The justices granted acting Solicitor Attorney General Elizabeth Prelegar's request for 15 minutes of argument time. The administration will argue alongside biofuels groups who, who oppose claims by small refiners that they should be exempt from RFS, the Renewable Fuel Standard. Joining us now is Emily Score, CEO of Growth Energy. Emily, thank you for joining us. So we look ahead to this uh, court date, Supreme Court date, April 27th on the RFS. Um, it's, a, it's an important case, of course. Many wonder why the Supreme Court is even taking it on is that a is that a bad sign for the biofuels industry how, how do you view the fact that it's even going to the supreme court well first of all mike great to talk with you again i don't think that we should read too much into the fact that the supreme court took this up what's more important is that we the industry has a very strong case the 10th circuit had a very good clean decision that was unanimous um and so you know, from from where we sit at Growth, we are not um, uh, we are not one of the respondents in the case, but we have filed an amicus brief, and that allows us to pre to bring before the court um, not only our support of the premise that an if you have to if you have an extension, you had to have gotten an exemption in the first place, but we also get to bring forward a few additional arguments um, that we think are important for the court to consider. Um, one is with respect to deference to the agency, and the other important one is we need to make sure that we have a remedy. It's not enough for the court simply to affirm the Tenth Circuit decision. What we also want for them to do is say, okay, EPA, now you need to make go back um, to the refineries and you need to make good on this so there's an actual remedy for the economic impact that the ethanol industry has suffered. So maybe a resolution to this issue once and for all. Yes, yes, it would be, um, you know, we're, we're all looking for, for that June uh, response. I will say, though, it's also important to keep in mind as well that there were three key components, you know, three, three justifications that the Tenth Circuit used in making the decision the way they did. And only one of them is being taken up by the Supreme Court. So regardless of what the Supreme Court does, 
you still have these two um, other arguments. You know, one of them is that um, the harm must be um, related to the RFS compliance. Um, and the second is that, you know, refiners are kind of, they, they're overstating their alleged burden because the cost of compliance is reflected in the market-wide price of, of the product. It's passed along to the value supply chain. So this argument could go on for a while. So, but uh, this, this is an important step coming with the Supreme Court case. Let me ask you uh, about a couple of other issues. Uh, the Biden administration's infrastructure plan talked a lot about uh, electric vehicles, but really not biofuels. What do you take from that? You know, it's, um, I mean, we're, we're obviously disappointed. You see a $2 trillion infrastructure plan that does overlook the really important critical role that biofuels can, can play. So it's a missed opportunity. Um, we know, you know, the president campaigned on a platform of using every tool at his disposal to promote and advance renewable energy and ethanol and other biofuels. So we um, are taking this conversation to Congress. You know, Congress is the one that's going to have to, they're going to have, have to pass the legislation. And so we, uh, as Growth Energy, we actually just finished two weeks of a virtual fly-in. Uh, we met with 85 offices in 14 different states, educating our champions on things like how to make sure biofuels are included in any infrastructure plan or legislation that they consider. So we look forward to the conversation. It's really going to take place with Congress, and we'll continue to make sure we're educating the, the administration and Congress at the same time so that anything moves forward recognizes biofuels. We are a readily available and affordable tool in the toolbox, and we've got to be used alongside with all of the other options that government has to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Meanwhile, another round of CFAP uh, payments are going out or sign up for assistance. Uh, biofuels to be included in this one, but do we have any details on, on how that will work? So we don't yet have the details. We know that biofuels are included um, in the $6 billion. It's part of the Consolidated Appropriations Act. And so we saw an announcement coming out from USDA a few weeks ago. We are grateful that this is something Secretary Bill Sack has taken up so early on in his term. And this is really important. It's a light at the end of the tunnel. And it's going to help jumpstart the rural economy as we look at the, the year anniversary of the shutdown of our economy. So we will continue to uh, dialogue with USDA as they figure out the details. But we're very appreciative to know that this is going to be coming. So your thoughts real quick, uh, Emily, on looking ahead to 2021. Uh, we mentioned the infrastructure. You hope to get some things included in there for biofuels. It seems like this should be a great opening, an opportunity with this push on climate policies to uh, to include biofuels in this. I mean, you, you, we have the industry right here ready to go. Uh, you don't have to wait on something to be developed. It's here now and ready to go. This should be a great opportunity. It is a great opportunity, and you're absolutely right. That's the message. Uh, and I'm very excited about the conversations that we're having that that and a lot of this is educating the leadership, the new leadership in town, that ethanol is not just going to be the engine for the rural economy. It's a, it's a fantastic tool that you can use to reduce greenhouse gas emission in today's fleet, and you can do this affordably for every community across the country. So that is a critical part of all the conversations that we're, ha we're having. Um, I will say the fact, you know, as I look forward to 2021, uh, very good to see that this EPA has reversed its position on small refinery exemptions. So they are supporting the industry perspective. 
before the Supreme Court, that is a strong signal that EPA will follow through on its commitment to uphold the integrity of the renewable fuel standards. All right, Emily, thanks a lot. We look forward to uh, hopefully seeing some of these opportunities realized for ethanol and biofuels moving forward. Good to talk with you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mike. Emily Score, CEO of Growth Energy. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to take a closer look at some of these tax proposals and how they could impact agriculture. Hope you'll join us on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.